Hello everyone and welcome back to the home birth experience. I am excited about this episode. I have been asked by many people to share my pregnancy journey and my birth story and now that my son is seven and a half months old, I'm finally getting around to recording what happened in the past year and a half. And I have a very special guest here, my partner and Charles' father, John Harris. John, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. So John has never been on the show before. He's kind of a mystery to everyone. So I want to ask him um, to share a little bit about himself. Where are you from? How many siblings do you have? What did you know about birth before you met me? Well, hello. My uh, story is quite unique. I am one of seven children. I'm the fifth born. I have one sister and five brothers. So it's quite a quite an interesting world growing up. Grew up right here in the greater Cleveland area. Grew up to uh, two married parents that are the light of my life. They've been such a guiding gem for me. Uh, I grew up all the way through the Lakewood City School System and then joined the service. Served in the Coast Guard for the better part of 10 years and ended up getting injured and heading home. When I got home, I started in the professional world, but all of that never even slightly prepared me for what was to happen <laughs> this last year and a half. I honestly knew nothing, as most guys I feel like do, have no idea really what the birthing process is about. We know that, you know, there's a stork and the babies arrive and all that. The birds but and the bees. The birds and the bees. <laughs> but you know, truthfully, meeting Julia really opened up my eyes to the whole home birth, I mean, paradigm, honestly, because I did not think that in this day and age, people had births at home. I thought it was just standard. You get pregnant, you go to the hospital, doctor spanks the baby on the butt, and the baby goes, when? You guys go home. Like, I had no idea. And it's been amazing to to find out that in fact it's such a special experience that being close to it and seeing julia experience it and seeing julia go through it and be a part of many of your lives and usher your children into this world and kind of just being near that it really really has been amazing to me and so when all of a sudden we uh <laughs> Had a conversation which we'll get into but julia announced or that uh we were having a child i all of a sudden had to start thinking about it for real for us that my gosh does that mean that we'll probably have a home birth <laughs> and well i had to uh to learn a lot about that and so here we are because leading up to that you were very particular about not really wanting to know too much or hear too much because you wanted to kind of keep yourself innocent mm -hmm. and sacred, if you will, for when you had your own experience. So, so you were open to learning like, wow, home birth is a thing. And I didn't know that, but okay, let's just stop there. Kind of, yeah, you um, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't, I, I I have virgin ears over here. <laughs> right. I don't want to hear about what happens in the first trimester, what happens in the second. 
I didn't really even know there was much about the trimesters. I mean, that kind of stuff. And I was just kind of saving myself for my experience. And that's what I'm actually really excited that we're going to get to share with you guys. And did you know anything about your mom's deliveries until before I came around? Because I remember I asked her a lot of questions. But I don't know if you actually knew anything. I mean, she had seven deliveries. That's quite significant history to have. Honestly, I don't. Like like I said before, me, as well as I would say probably a good percentage of, of the men out there, don't really think to ask those kind of questions of your mom. I, I didn't, anyway. And... I mean, I was alive for two of my younger siblings to be born, but to be honest, we were so close together, I don't really much remember them as, as infants. We're only about four years from the last three. So we were, you know, almost Irish twins really, right. in my family. Right. So your mom did have seven natural deliveries, unmedicated, I should say, and she breastfed all of you. And I remember her telling me that she breastfed you the longest. (laughs) Yes, I was such a sweet baby. Oh, yes, you were. And carried over into your manhood. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, so you went to the service. You came back. What is your career path out of the service in the civilian world? What do you do? Well, I am an engineer in the electronics background. So what I do currently is reverse engineering of automotive parts. So I am very detail-oriented, very one plus one is two, and somehow still also understand the spiritual world and enjoy the absolutely unknowns that are out there about it. And But it is interesting to think about the dynamic there because a lot of my mental state is very rooted in the physical and the matter-of-fact. And... As I came to find out, and as many of you already know, the whole having a child walk is very much a spiritual walk where you have to kind of believe and have faith and have, and trust the process and trust that God made a, a perfect vessel, the women, to carry that child and grow that child all the way through. And to me, being completely, I guess, ignorant of the process, it was fascinating for me we even we'll get into this too but we even did download this whole program where we talked about weekly what was going on with the birth or the baby and what was developing and how many billions of neurons were being produced by the brain and all those nerdy things which i (laughs) enjoy very much um yeah so there was a lot of mystery for you being a a number factual person there was a lot of mystery for both of us Mm -hmm. so I guess I should talk a little bit about my history. Since I I come on the show all the time and I talk to other people, I don't really share too much about what I've been through leading up to this point. So, and hopefully sharing this will help other women um, that may be experiencing something similar and give hope to other women. Again, going back to trusting in God and believing that we are the perfect vessels to bring children into the world, I was told from a very young age, probably about 13 or 14 years old, that I had endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome and that I had 
maybe a 50% chance of conceiving a child naturally. So at that young of an age, you know, I think I was in the seventh grade and, and I'm just starting menstruation and, and they're telling me all these things. I, I thought my whole world was shattered because I always thought I'm going to be a mom. That, that was my career. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a mom. I knew I was going to help deliver babies. I always knew I would be a midwife, but I also really always wanted to be a mom. So that was really uh, rattling to my faith at a very young age. And they immediately said, well, put you on birth control. That's what we do to regulate periods. Before I even had three cycles, I was on hormonal birth control and remained on that for 10 years, not knowing that this was probably doing more damage to my body than I could even begin to imagine. And when I learned more, I did better and I chose not to take it anymore. However, I did not menstruate after that. So then the doctors said, well, there's no chance you'll conceive naturally. You'll have to be, you know, IVF if you can even have kids. You know, your fertility is just, it's pretty much shot is what I was told. So I kind of gave up any hope. I held on to hope. I shouldn't say I gave it up. But I I thought there's, there's just, it's not going to happen. I would have a period maybe once every year and it wasn't an ov- ovulatory cycle. So it was just my uterus shedding some lining, nothing fertile is happening. Then at the age of 33, I decided to follow a very traditional diet. I followed Weston A. Price Foundation and I started eating raw liver, drinking raw milk, drinking bone broth, eliminating everything processed. And I started blacking out my room with blackout curtains and re- creating a lunar cycle and opening the curtains for three days around the full moon. And after about a year of this, I started having regular periods. So there was hope again. And from 33 to 39, there was really nothing happening, no hope. But I thought, well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. Lo and behold, I made a very specific prayer that if it was his will, that I have a child that I please, please conceive before I turn 40 because I'm done with this. I'm old. I don't want to have well, a kid at this old. At the same old. time, you're in the whole birthing world and it must have been very challenging, very hard to be around these mothers and seeing the miracle happen around you and you not being able or feeling like that that potentially was not an option for you. I can only imagine. The first three years of my apprenticeship were very challenging. Yes. I will say that I dealt with a lot of jealousy And I knew that that was not from God and that was not a positive um, emotion to be bringing into that space. And I really had to get down on my knees and pray and work through that. It was very challenging because exactly what I wanted, I was watching other people get and um, wondering why God was putting me in this place, calling me to be a midwife. And then not giving me the desires of my heart. It was very hard. So fast forward, I guess, right, to February of 2022. 
when I'm about to turn 40 years old and I had specifically prayed, I'd pretty much given up. I was like, whatever, I'm not going to have kids. It's fine. I'm okay with that. I've delivered so many babies. Those babies are so special to me. I don't really need to have a child, but if it happens before I'm 40, I just want to get pregnant before I'm 40. Completely unexpected. Here I am, how many weeks, two or three weeks before my 40th birthday, and I find out I'm pregnant. And boy, was I shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Very shocked. So just to, to that, we leave, we, <clears throat> excuse me, just to relive that moment or that series of moments in that sense. So Julia apparently had not been feeling well or something had happened. So she reached out to her really good friend and her friend kind of just kind of convinced her to say, well, maybe, maybe go get a pregnancy test. And Julia was a little shy about that and thought maybe that I might freak out or be act strange about her bringing the pregnancy tests into the house. She goes out and buys pregnancy tests and like, quickly sneakily comes into the house i'm sitting on the couch okay in my own world completely aloof just it is what it is and julia's like trying to be real secretive about bringing these in which to fast forward after the fact i'm like julia why would i have thought anything about you bringing birth into the into the house like because that's what you do for a living like i would have thought i would just thought they were work supplies and so she's <laughs> laughing at herself but so she brought it in quickly goes into the restroom again i don't even i didn't even see her going to the bathroom or anything like that and she she goes in the bathroom i guess that i, I wasn't a part of that so oh, go ahead and see and what I happened just, I, the line was there immediately and i was like no no i mean that first time i'm sure other moms can can relate. feel can yeah. relate thank you to that feeling of the very first time you see a positive pregnancy test and i want to say to all the moms that haven't seen that first positive pregnancy test you will someday keep your faith i went so many years thinking this would never happen and so seeing it i just i can't even describe how it felt it was it felt so real, but at the same time, it felt so foreign and like unbelievable that it was actually happening. So unbelievable that I called my friend Patsy, who does ultrasound and has her own ultrasound machine. And of course, I'm a home birth midwife. I'm not going to have an ultrasound. I'm not even going to use a Doppler. I'm only going to use a fetoscope. And here I am calling her. When can we do an ultrasound? I have to see if there's actually something in my uterus. <laughs> and then I can only imagine, too, not only the shock and excitement of seeing it and thinking about all the years that have, you know, culminated to this point, but, oh, man, what's John going to think? Like, right? Yeah, that that whole aspect of it would have been... I can only imagine where you Oh, yeah. At. So I'm standing there thinking, do I tell him now? Do I tell him a week from now? When do, do I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I walk out there. I sit down on the couch. And that's all I can think of is I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Oh, my God. I'm pregnant. Oh, and, and my gosh, aloof, And my aloof rear end is sitting on the couch, again, completely in my own world, not a thinking, not thinking a thing about anything. I'm watching a YouTube video. 
it was a it was a it was a spoof of political ads and i was like hey julia check this out and and like she scoots over and and starts watching with me but i'm out of the corner of my eye i'm laughing at this at this video because it was actually a funny video yeah and then i (laughs) i'm watching julia out of the corner of my eye and she's like rubbing her chest like she's having a dang heart attack and after a little while and she's not laughing at things and i'm like I finally like pause it like Julia, are you okay? <laughs> like I mean, like are you having a panic attack or something? Are you, like when you, like are you all right? You're like heavy breathing, rubbing your chest. Is your, is your left arm hurting too? Are you having a heart attack? What's going on here? And she just stands up and walks away. And I'm like, uh, as watch her in silence as she kind of like goes into the living room, past the living room into the kitchen, over the kitchen into the bathroom. And I'm like to myself, uh okay that was odd and then a few seconds later she returns again no words hands me a pregnancy test and i look at it like okay i think i've seen a pregnancy test like once or twice in my entire life so i don't even know what i'm looking at so i'm looking at this thing i'm like what, what's this like what do you what is this like and i started like trying to like decipher this this whole enigma of a device that I don't even know how it works. I was like, oh, the one line here, it's positive. Let, let, wait. Then did what? I say I'm pregnant? I think I said I'm pregnant. No, I don't even remember that part. I was still trying to figure out what this thing was in front of me. And I was just like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and I sat there for a second. And Julia, of course, she doesn't sit down next to me. She sits down like as far as away from the couch as she can from me because she's like nervous about my reaction to this. And I was just like, well. You're like, this is the best news ever. No, I was like, no, it's not what I said first. First thing I said, like probably the very, very first thing I said was, well, I hope you know we're having more than one. Yes, it's exactly what you said. You know. And uh, that shocked me. I was like, and then, whoa, 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 buddy. <laughs> and then on top of that, I uh, the other thing I said, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but it was saying that, uh, you know, it's an arranged marriage from God. You know, this 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 union that we've got here, this this togetherness is is something that was, you know, obviously was made to happen in the way that it was. It wasn't, there was no accident here. Nope. No accidents. So that was a shocking response. (laughs) And I don't even know what happened the rest of that day. I think I continued to take more and more. I think you ended up taking seven pregnancy tests. Oh no, I have a, I still have them in a bag. There's like 20. Well, I don't know about all those, but I took a picture at one point when it happened of like the seven you brought out within a day of each other. Because I was just like, okay, I how accurate are these things? Blood. This can't even be real. Remember I made you draw my blood? Oh, yeah. First time I ever drew blood ever. Yeah, I wanted you to te- test my HCG. Which is a little bit strange to me, people, because uh, I don't have any trouble with blood. I don't have any trouble with needles. But I really have trouble with needles going into veins. I don't know what it is. It freaks me out. I just it's a it's an irrational fear. So I here it. I am. I'm wanting to see my HCG level double, and so 
I'm also at this point like, ooh, I'm my own experiment, right? Like I'm a midwife, so I can play around with all these things and do different blood tests if I want to see what's going on here, what's going on there. And and so I ask him to draw my blood and I'm like, okay, just put the needle right in here. Then I'll the help you put the tube on. The last thing I want to do is, is hurt the person that I'm, I'm, I care about. I'm like, uh, you want me to do what now? But you did it. And I, did. And I watched my HCG levels double. Stuck it on the first time, too. I didn't even have to, like, re-poke you. No, you did a great job. You did phenomenal. So so we did that. And then I think I was about six weeks when we found out is mm-hmm. what we – six weeks along oh, when okay. we found out I was pregnant. And it was interesting because my, yeah, only, <laughs> my only symptom was I had – the most odd sensation in my nose and I was having like bloody noses and it was like really dry in my nose and it was just I thought do I need to use some Flonase like what's going on my nose never bleeds and it was bleeding and I was exhausted we were watching the exhausted thing is I think really was the key because in the winter I wouldn't think much of a bloody nose in I February. did, but I never thought in a million years it had anything to do with pregnancy. I mean, obviously, I understand. I mean, yes, because you're, you vasodilate, so your uh-huh. your vessels get bigger. So anyway, um, I remember we were babysitting for your nephew while they went to have their second child at the hospital, and I am somebody who I oh, am yes. energy. Just, just I get before stuff we done. just before we took the test and found out, yeah, that's right. Man. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done. And when there's a kid around, I'm the one playing with the kid, running with the kid. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't babysit. I have no energy. I don't want to do anything. I just want to go to bed. I just want to go to bed. It was miserable. So that was the only thing that was like... An irrational need for sleep. Yes. Yes. That was pretty much the only symptom. And that was pretty much the only symptom that persisted throughout my first trimester. I didn't have... Go ahead. Not entirely true. We we were, well, you were, but I was also mostly very, very, very keen on making sure you had food overnight and things. Because there were times where you you definitely were close to saying that you were going to maybe be upset in your stomach. And so what we ended up doing is we had protein shakes and protein um, bars, bars and... Right. All that stuff. And that was, I mean, you were... And I would take a thermos of milk sometimes upstairs. Correct, yeah. So I was religious av- about that. I avoided the morning sickness because I knew that one of the biggest causes of morning sickness is a lack of protein and a lack of calories in general. Because your stomach gets empty, that's when you get nauseous. And so that's why in the morning time it's typically the worst. And a lot of women will say also in the evening it's bad because... They've gone hours throughout the day without eating. So I was very particular about making sure I had a little snack every two hours. Yep. And so when I would wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I would take a spoonful of peanut butter or I would take a drink of milk from the thermos or a drink of a protein shake. Sometimes I cheated and had like peanut butter crackers or something not so healthy. But um, that was managed so I managed any nausea that I would get but the tiredness was 
Yeah, that was rough. Oh, you it was. Always tired. I was like narcoleptic behind the wheel. It was mm. awful. I remember thinking like I shouldn't be allowed to drive anymore because I just I can't stay awake. It was it was painfully tired. Like I've done. I remember my longest string of being awake was 73 hours for births. It was, I believe, February of 21, I want to say. I had three or four in a row, and I was awake for 73 hours straight. I may have dozed a little bit here or there on somebody's couch, but I didn't even feel as tired during that period that I felt during this first trimester. It was insane. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. But I would do it all over again if I if I was blessed enough to have another kid. So then another highlight I just wanted to mention is John, his contribution, because a lot of times dads, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to support mom. No clue. And so I have learned through childbirth classes that one of the things women can do to help the part the male is give them very clear instructions. Maybe I wasn't as clear as I thought I was being, but I got out my recipe book, my bone broth, uh, nourishing traditions book. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, I need some bone broth. Oh, this is going to be very important in my pregnancy. Not just for the sake of saying it just before this happened. I, again, through Julia was learning so many different things about the home birth world and the homeopathic nature of things and decided to buy an entire beef in end of November 21. So So I had 700 pounds of beef and bone and, and, and bones for broth and stuff like that. So when Julia mentioned, well, it would be really great to have some really high nutrient dense bone broth from a grass fed, grass finished cow I was ready for the challenge because I had never done that before. And I was like, well, I can follow directions. I can do a procedure here. And I was shocked because my first attempt at beef bone broth did not go as well as his did. And my attempt was probably was years and years ago and I was working on my fertility. And this guy just hops into the kitchen, does the bone broth, feeds me that daily and also it fixed me really good protein rich breakfast with mm-hmm. eggs and potatoes what did you call them your houseboat scrambles oh yeah houseboat scrambles are delicious <laughs> they're yeah. so good yeah. so he'd cook me good food so that's always something i suggest to women like when you're in that pit and you don't know what to do and you've got a man looking at you like well i don't know what to do either what do you want me to do for you honey but that's the thing we do want to do something yeah it's hard is that we're chomping at the bit to actually find a way to make you feel better or fix even though it's not really fixing a pregnancy but it's fixing the little troubles that are from moment to moment fixing your nausea fixing your you know, tiredness. How but can you I help need you? need clear instructions from us. Because Our job is to give clear instructions. Yeah. Exactly. So here we are. I'm pregnant. You're fixing bone broth, houseboat scrambles. And what are we going to do for prenatal care? Well, that's the next thing. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. I, you're a, a midwife. Does a midwife midwife herself? Like, <laughs> I don't know how this works. Like, do we now need to find a midwife? These are questions that I... Now I'm letting my mind be flooded with like all this stuff that I've pushed off for years and years and 
ever since knowing Julia, I've kind of been like standoffish, like, no, 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 I don't want to know. I'd, I'd like to do that for myself. And here I am now still pretty much in shock and disbelief that this process is is happening and kind of like, okay, this isn't real. This is definitely not real. <laughs> oh, this is, this is no, no. And then Julia's, well, you know, we need to, I, I, I'm an excellent home wife, home, home midwife, but there's no way that I want to be doing any of that during my birth. I want to just be birthing. I don't want to be thinking. Right. I don't want to be, I want to be able to let the steering wheel go and not have to worry about that. So we said, well, now we need to investigate who's out there. Cause I didn't even, I had only midwife I knew was Julia. I didn't even know there were any others. And so now we had to kind of search through the greater Cleveland, Ohio area and find a match. And I think that that was one of the hardest things for me because in my gut, I thought, I don't really need a midwife. Like, I don't need somebody to tell me what to do during my pregnancy, but I definitely need somebody at the birth. Like you were saying, like in labor, in birth, I don't want to have to be in my thinking brain and I don't know how I'm going to feel because I've never been in labor before. How's that going to feel? I've never been pregnant before never. the whole process. Exactly. And so I had a lot of self-doubt because even though I am what I consider myself an expert in normal physiological birth, pregnancy and birth, I have I'm not an expert in doing it in my own body because I've never done it in my own body before. So there was a lot of self-doubt and I thought, okay, yeah, I can like check my own heart tone, baby's own heart tones. I can check my own fundal height. I can check my own urine, check my own blood pressure. But like, what if I miss something? Mm, And what if I'm not thinking of everything? Like, what if I'm not checking all the boxes and I want to make sure all the boxes are checked. But at the same time, like, do I need to check all the boxes to grow a healthy baby? I I know that I don't. Like, I I don't believe in most of the standardized testing that they do within the OB model of care. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I wasn't going to do most of that. I knew I would draw a normal initial panel of labs. But beyond that, I wasn't going to GBS test myself or glucose tolerance test myself or do any of that. So no anatomy scan. I... I don't know. It was a very, very odd place for me to be because I wanted to trust my myself. I trusted God, but yet I felt like I needed that person to walk alongside me. And I certainly didn't know anything. Right. I just didn't. I had no idea. I mean, really. I, I just was like, okay, when's the stork going to arrive <laughs> with the baby? <laughs> but then I thought, well... People come to me with specific questions when they interview me to be their midwife. And then it's a matter of, are they the right fit? So I thought, okay, well, what, what's important to me in having a midwife? Like, what are the things that are important in this midwife that I'm going to hire to walk along this journey with me? And I really didn't know what the answer to that was, except I thought that I needed it to be an elder. Yeah, uh- Someone wiser. Somebody older, older and wiser, yeah. wiser, somebody that has more experience than me. I didn't think that I could have somebody that was a peer, you know, on my same level of experience, training, so on and so forth. So um, more of like that mother figure, right? Yeah. 
So we began interviewing and we interviewed and we interviewed some more and we interviewed some more. And the thing that really threw me off was that everyone I interviewed at some point during the interview process treated me more as a peer and a colleague rather than a first-time mom and prospective client. And there was a little bit of talking about other midwives, but it really, it really came down to, well, shoot, like I know all these people already personally. I know them professionally and I don't really feel like a client to them. And on top of that, like, Yes, they knew you and they had that professional and personal relationship with you. But just like all of you in the audience, none of them knew me. And right. But because of that, they unfortunately, that, that familiarity with, with you left me even further in the dust because there would be certain things that to you as professionals are just total no-brainer we're you just talking even shop think of it. i'm sitting in the corner of the room starting to have my eyes glaze over because i can't even keep up with what the terms are that you guys are saying because you guys already know that and so that was hard for me personally and it also made that a challenging decision because as much as as it's julia's body julia's body julia's choice i'm i'm not a i'm not an inactive participant this right. is something that is just as much my walk as it is yours, not physically, but definitely spiritual, spiritually and emotionally. And that comfortability needs to be for both of us, not just for Julia. And though all of these professionals were absolutely wonderful, and I don't think we could think of three things that we didn't like, there was something that was just missing. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it... it there was something that just wasn't quite where we thought we were going to be at. And it, it was, was weird funny because Julia, you know, it was about this time that, that Julia mentioned that she's, you know, I, I have the sneaking suspicion I'm going to have my child with a specific OB that we knew. I said it that early, didn't did. I? Yeah, I said, I think I'm going to end up... Did I say I was going to have it in the hospital? Uh, I just I thought think... that he was going to be no. Dr. Stetzer. Yeah, Dr. Stetzer was... Well, do they does the audience know who Dr. Stetzer is? So Dr. Stetzer, Bradley Stetzer, um, is a maternal fetal medicine obstetrician. So he deals with high-risk pregnancy only. And he has been um, a very generous... OB, very friendly OB in the fact that he sees a lot of my clients. He worked, uh, no longer works in Cleveland, but worked at one of the large hospital systems, Metro in Cleveland for 23 years. And he was always so helpful and seeing all my clients and just very respectful of normal physiological pregnancy and birth, even though here he is specializing in high risk and so me being 40 years old and first pregnancy that immediately puts me in the high risk category whether I truly believe that I was high risk or not is 
a different topic, but according to medical terms, I was high risk. And um, so I did. I had this feeling that, okay, I think it's going to be him that is at this birth. Mm-hmm. And as much as I would like to believe that I was privileged enough to have a doctor come to my birth at my house, I think I knew in the back of my head that I was going to have this baby at the hospital. Um, and I don't know why, but I did kind of have that sensation that this was going to be a hospital birth. But I really wanted a home birth. Sure. I mean, I wanted nothing more than to experience that. But um, so we also interviewed him because I decided that we would have co-care. So I'm going to plan a hospital, sorry, plan a home birth. Mm-hmm. Not sure who the midwife is going to be yet. But we're also going to do co-care, as we call it, when you see an obstetrician and a home birth midwife. Parallel. Parallel care. So we saw Dr. Stetzer. You went with me to that first visit, and that was very thorough. And I felt like I was a first-time mom, and I didn't have to worry about anything. Yeah. You felt felt very comfortable, and, and that was surprising. Yeah. I felt like I could trust him. Yeah. I did. I felt at ease. And I didn't have that same sensation when I was interviewing midwives. And I don't know why. And it's kind of sad to me that I didn't feel that way. I was very, I was, I struggled with that the whole pregnancy. I think that being a professional in the industry, it would be very easy to bring your own thought process into it and that maybe this midwife would is doing it differently than you would do it or this midwife That's would true. do it differently than I would do it and and I whether, did have a lot of those whether thoughts. you meant it or not or wanted to or not you would probably would have been basing your care or what you thought was your care either positive or a negative experience based off how you would do it and you're very particular and very specific in what you do and how you do it and it's wonderful but you know, this midwife or that midwife or the other midwife might have done it just slightly differently. And you might think, that's not how I was trained. I would never have done it that way. Maybe we shouldn't continue care or something to that effect. That was what it came down to, you're right. So I think that kind of being a little too close to it definitely made that decision very challenging. Because to me, every single midwife that we we interviewed was wonderful and had had especially all of them had very specific things that they were incredibly excellent with and we felt very much at ease with them but i remember a couple different times you had mentioned that i don't know if i would do quite they're known for this or they're known for that and 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 that makes it sound bad but I, i don't mean that in a negative way it's only like you know this person you know, does only one or two tests this way, or I don't even know exactly. We didn't get right. Into like one person but... only did one postpartum visit, and I was like, "Wait, what? I do four postpartum visits at least for my clients. Like that's not, you know." And of course, she said, "Like, oh, I'll do as many postpartum visits as you want, but I standard only do one." So there was, and and then I started comparing, and and again, I went back to. You know, I, mean, I know what this looks like. Joy, right? What? Goes? Comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, yeah. And so we, we found ourselves 
feeling unsettled when that's not the direction we wanted to go. We didn't we wanted to be feel settled and feel comfortable and calm and at ease and at peace with our decision to strive for a home birth. And we found that the way we felt the most at ease and peace was with Dr. Stetzer. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because being Dr. Stetzer is a man, that actually made me feel a lot better because he was a father and he had gone through this I think four times himself mm-hmm. he he knew what I was going through too and since I was the complete like novice here he was able to and just did because that's what he deals with so many this way he was able to speak to me on my terms and being a highly intelligent person the way he is he was able to communicate my responsibilities and Julia's responsibilities just that much more thorough and uh, it it definitely helped me and that was something that I think once we talked about it and Julia and I really came to the realization that the only time that we finally felt that fully at ease was in that situation um, we chose to 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 basically do self-care and then work with Dr. Stetzer. Yep. So that's where we landed, although at the same time thinking I was going to have a home birth. <laughs> so, And not to mention, I'm over here saying, I do not want to catch this baby. Right. I do not want to catch this child. He did. He kept saying so. it throughout the pregnancy. Whatever, whatever route we go, we're paying a midwife. She's catching the baby. We're paying Dr. Setzer. He's catching the baby. I'm not catching the baby. Exactly. So here we are, first trimester. I truck through that. And second trimester, I think it wasn't until like 24 weeks or so that I really started to show. And um, I also, I think in the end of my first trimester, beginning of second trimester, I started pelvic floor physical therapy or occupational therapy. So that was something that I have seen be very, very beneficial for first-time moms especially, specifically, but for everyone across the board, I recommend um, seeing pelvic floor. And I went to Lisa Loveless, who is the owner of Next Level Therapy in Avon, Ohio, and I think that she's absolutely amazing, and the work she does is fabulous. And so... She gives me these exercises that I sheepishly, at night, going to bed, I'm like, oh gosh, I have to get on all fours and do these breathing exercises. What in the world is John going to think that I'm doing over here? (laughs) So that was another vulnerable moment of just, you know, as you go through pregnancy, you have to have these vulnerable moments together that... yeah. And it, it all has a purpose, you know, like it was a purpose in the pelvic floor physical therapy, but also a greater purpose in being able to be vulnerable enough to give birth in front of this person. So I did that and I continued my regular exercises, which was walking and um, core work every day until I think it was like 24 weeks. And then I started having really, really tight 
Braxton Hicks every time I walked. And so then I got scared and I was like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. And then later, hindsight's twenty twenty. it was fine. I could have kept walking. It just felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like first trimester, little bit of second trimester. We're at about 45 minutes. Do you want to kind of wrap it up here? What else do you want to add? Because we can keep going. Well, I mean, there's so much more to talk about. I would, oh my gosh, we could sit here for another hour and really get into things. Um, and there's a bunch of, of Easter eggs ahead. I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about some things we've already foreshadowed, but I'm not going to get into. <laughs> but um, yeah, it it's really right around this point in, in our story, it, it started to become real for me. And uh, I think, I think the the most real moment was where I had to kind of swallow my uh, nervousness, or or accept my nervousness, or accept the reality of what was upon us. Was during one of our follow up appointments with Dr. Stetzer, we did a an ultrasound, and. This was only at 12 weeks. Yeah. And it looks like a baby at 12 weeks. Yeah, it sure do. Because when we, we originally had your friend who had her ultrasound, she came in and did a an ultrasound with us. And we saw the tiny little peanuts, peanut with a giant yolk sack and all these things. And I was like, okay, that's nothing. That's just, you know, just, it's just nothing. It's just, I, Even honestly. Even though you can see the heartbeat. I don't remember seeing the heartbeat at that point, but I'm sure we have videos of it. We'll have to, we'll have to put together a video and, and post that as well so all of you can enjoy it with us. But uh, when this thing, with ultrasound, when this ultrasound started showing the screen, I think it wasn't a big deal at first. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. It's a two-dimensional image on the screen, but then it moved. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> whoa. It, it's waving. Hey, that, that thing, that, that, that moved, that's alive. That's just, that's not just a, cause I think it didn't just move. I think it, I think he, we didn't know at the time, by the way, we had no idea what this was going to be. We had no idea we were going to have a baby boy. but And we still, that was also nervous for us because every time we went in for any kind of a checkup, we, didn't want we to wanted see. to make sure not to get told. We were nervous about not, you know, about somehow finding out beforehand. But in the ultrasound, Charles rotated, I think is what happened. It wasn't just that, it, that he pushed off of one way or the other. He like twisted. And seeing that live on this camera even though it was just a slice, it was so obvious that it was a three-dimensional being in there. It was, I, th- I think I soiled my pants. <laughs> uh, no, I, I definitely, note. I definitely <laughs> lost my breath. Yeah, for sure. And it was, it was very real. And I, yeah, we'll get into a lot more of that as we go on. We'll get into a lot more of that. And also I think we'll bring up how your mom got a terminal diagnosis. About the same time we found out we were pregnant. Yep. 
So we'll bring that up and we'll talk about a lot more things. But I think for now, we'll just leave you with this little teaser of what the first trimester looked like for me. We'll jump more into the second and third on our next episode. But for now, we're going to sign off. And until next time, everyone, be well. And please subscribe to our podcast, The Home Birth Experience. Rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Bye-bye.